Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome back to our podcast, The Ins and Outs of Selling a Business. For those of you just joining us, uh, my name is Keith D. I'm president of Osage Advisors. Osage Advisors is a boutique merger and acquisition firm working with business owners looking to sell, typically with uh, $5 million in revenues and up. Um, and we just celebrated our 21st year in business, so uh, we've been around for a while. Anyways, thanks for joining us today. You know, I was thinking about what would be a good topic uh, for these times. Uh, we are in a period of economic uncertainty. And I looked back over our prior episodes, and I felt one area that we really haven't touched on is why deals don't get done, why they don't close. Uh, and I felt this would be a great time to kind of uh, break it out and talk about it in, 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 in reasons like, I have like five buckets of why deals don't get done. So I thought on this episode, we talk about reasons deals don't get done. And then we back it up with a part two and give some examples of how, you know, we kind of mended defenses and brought the parties back together to get the deal back on track. So number one in why deals don't get done is uh, performance. You know, typically financial performance. Uh, usually a buyer and a seller meet. Uh, the buyer gets some preliminary due diligence materials, a SIM, which is a confidential memorandum known as trade as a book. That has a history of the business. It talks about the ownership. It talks about uh, the team. It talks about uh, the sales trends, the customers, the vendors, growth opportunities, et cetera. And also in the back of the book, it talks about you know, the financial performance. So a buyer is going to submit their, their bid or buyers will submit their bid based on the company's financial performance. So once you get into diligence on that, when you choose a buyer and you're going through due diligence and, you know, say some things slip. Uh, one is uh, if you were going to do 2 million of EBITDA uh, or profits and, you know, the buyer's going through it and, Certain things happen in the environment and your numbers are slipping. Uh, so instead of being two million, it's a million eight. So right there, the buyer may be coming back to you look for a price adjustment. But you look at it from a business owner's perspective and say, hey, you know, at a six multiple, that 200 grand or 300 grand, that's, you know, that's you know, a million and a half, two million dollars to me. Do I really want to do this? So if your f financial performance starts to slip a bit, that could be a reason that it could, you know, frankly, you know, kill the deal. Uh, another area under performance, financial performance, uh, you know, is trends. Uh, you know, buyers look at various trends. Uh, you could be performing great. Your numbers are good, but they're looking at your trend lines, uh, whether it's your product mix, whether it's, uh, you know, your pipeline, whether it's, uh, stability of your backlog, for example, say you, you run a typical backlight of four to five million and the buyer's doing due diligence and that backlog has slipped to three million. They're going to want to know why, right? So that could be an area where they're going to come back to you and say, hey, you know what? We're not comfortable right now. So we want to reevaluate the deal. Or they may walk away from the deal. Or you may walk away from the deal. Uh, another area under the performance is, uh, you know, you know, key performance indicators, you know, uh, KPIs are called in the trade. Um, you know, it could be unit price uh, per deal. It could be the number of units sold. I mean, when you look at private equity funds uh, as a buyer, they do a deep dive into a lot of analytics. 
And if they see some changes and trends in your analytics, that could raise questions to them. And it comes back to you. And depending on how you resolve that, it could be a point where, hey, we're not willing to, we're not comfortable moving forward. And they may walk from the deal or you may walk from the deal. So again, we're just going to kind of go through why deals bust or, or break, but I just want to give you some, uh, some examples. And again, we're going to talk about uh, how we can uh, resolve those issues between a buyer and a seller uh, in our next episode. Um, another area under performance is uh, financial is like working capital. You know, that's critical to how the business runs every day, right? It's the, the time where you invest money in a product or a service to becomes and it comes back to you in cash down the road. So a buyer is going to look at, you know, your working capital trends. Uh, historically, we typically look at a 12-month trend. That the business is running continuously consistent with her historic levels. And if there's some blips in that, one is, uh, for example, today uh, we have supply chain uh, issues. So a lot of companies are building inventories uh, so they can uh, mitigate any you know, issues down the road with providing product to the customers. So they have a higher level working capital now. And that is a bit of a challenge that has to be addressed when the buyer and the seller to be negotiated. And you know, the seller is going to be adamant about it in a lot of cases that, hey, I got a lot of money tied up in inventory that I normally wouldn't, and I want to see some of that money as part of the deal, right? So those are some of the things in the performance end that could kill a deal, that could break a deal, that uh, could cause uh, either the buyer or the seller to walk. Uh, another one is, you know, you sell remorse. You know, you've had a company 20, 30, 40 years, and you decide, you know what? I just don't want to do this deal. Um, not sure what I want to do with the rest of my life. I thought about it and, you know, thanks for coming by, but I just can't sell. It happens. It happens a lot. And we'll give you a few examples in our next episode of how we've kind of worked around that challenge or not. Um, you know, from a seller perspective, if you, if you, if you entertain a buyer directly uh, without testing the market, you know, sometimes that sell remorse is, you know, is this the right number? Is this the right value? Um, am I getting the maximum value for my business? Is it the right deal for my people? And that's kind of falls underneath that sell remorse bucket. Um, also, you know, once you get into a, a, a sales process uh, with a banker like Osage and you go through, say, a competitive auction process, the market's going to speak Right, what they like about your business, what they don't like about your business. And, you know, we all work within our own, you know, silos, so to speak. And so once your eyes are open to opportunity and say, hey, you know what? I've learned a lot from this. If I kind of step back and implement some of these things, you know, three, four years from now, my company could be worth so much more. So maybe I'm not going to sell now. Maybe I'm going to take what I've learned from this market, what I need to do to improve my results, and then go back to market at a future date. Right. It happens a lot. Um, and, you know, just that's one of those reasons why a deal may not move forward. You know, and, and not every deal closes. Right. I mean, you know, we we work very diligently. We work on our client, our client's behalf. Uh, we put a tremendous amount of resources. But, you know, no firm out there closes every deal. There's certain things outside uh, of your control that will end up, you know, having a deal not close. 
It just happens. It happens to everybody. And it's just a fact of life when you're doing a transaction that certain things will happen that outside of your control, i.e. COVID, that will you know put a deal on either stop the deal or put it on pause. Um, another one, speaking of, uh, of COVID, is, is time. You know, they say time kills all deals. You know, things can happen from the time you sign a letter of intent to the time you close. And if you don't work in an efficient manner towards closing, things can pop up that will cause either the buyer or the seller to say, look, I'm not moving forward to the transaction. Um, we're done, Right. And, you know, it's in a stressful time. It's an emotional time. Um, so as the environment changes from one to the other, you know, thing, things could happen that that stop a deal. For example, you know, you're dealing with a, in good faith with a buyer and the buyer may not be dealing in good faith with you. They're looking, they're working on your deal, but they have another deal in the back pocket they're also working on. And if that deal closes first, they're going to walk from your deal. So understanding the buyer you're working for is critical. But if you're not moving in a timely manner, that could cause uh, uh, the deal to basically put on pause or, 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 or die, right? I mean, so, uh, you know, you got to focus on the time and you got to move diligently, professionally with your advisors to close. You know, the management team um, or the family, so to speak, um, you know, they, you put things in place for your business. Um, you've hired the right person. You thought, um, your family's behind you to get this deal done. But once you go on a letter of intent, you know, people's expectations change or they're looking for something more, um, or they're not up to the task. And, you know, if that management team, uh, whether it be a family member or an outside person you brought in, the buyer's perspective is that, you know what? I'm just not comfortable moving this company forward, this transaction forward with this person. I want you. And you're saying, well, if I'm going to stay in the business, I'm not going to sell it. Right. So, you know, management as a whole is something that's looked at very deeply during the due diligence process excuse me, that you need to uh, be aware of that more from the buyer perspective, they're going to, if they don't feel comfortable, they may decide to walk. And in any case, that may not be the best buyer for you. You may have to go back to market down the road. Um, I think the mo most important one is probably transparency. Um, you know, they used to say back in the day, honesty is the best policy. From our perspective, you know, honesty is the only policy. And when a buyer and seller communicate, you have to have everything on the table at all times. From the seller's perspective, from your perspective, and also from the buyer perspective. You know, that communication between the two of you is critical. I mean, you're just, you know, once you just select a buyer and you start going through the due diligence process, it's like, you know, you're, you're kind of dating, to use an analogy, that you're going to, you know, to, to become a marriage uh, of their business and your business. And if you're not communicating totally in honesty during that process, it's going to raise a level of distrust or skepticism we've talked about in many podcasts in the past. 
And if you raise that level, either party decide, might, may decide to walk away. And it could be a mis miscommunication that needs to be addressed, and we'll talk a little bit about that in our next uh, uh, episode of this, uh, part of this podcast. But you know, these are the type of things that can you know happen during the process. Everybody's working in good faith. Everybody's working towards a common goal, but things happen outside your control. Could be the seller, could be the buyer, could be the environment that cause a situation where a deal will not close. Now, it's not to say you can't get the deal done down the road, but in that specific transaction with that specific buyer, it may not work out. It happens. So, you know, understanding your financials, your trends, being communicative, open about them. And we'll talk about, again, how we bridge those gaps, you know, how you feel about it, you know, why you were motivating the first to sell a company. But then you're into this transaction process and emotions are flying and like, should I really be doing this? You know, understanding what your goals are, that you stay true to them so that some of these doubts, so to speak, uh, are satisfied. So you move forward with the transaction. You know, working efficiently, timely, making sure you have information available, all parties working together, coordinated effort. Once the deal's on the table, the buyer and the seller work together to get the deal done to everybody's satisfaction. If time starts to slip, right, or there's a lack of, all of a sudden there's dead silence, right? The worst thing you could possibly have is somebody goes, quote unquote, radio silent during a transaction. That means something's up, right? It's our job as bankers is to, is, is to reopen those line of communications. Okay, what's your concern, right? What's going on? So that time element, right, and your people, the management team, um, making sure that they're up to the task. And if they're not up to the task, you know, how do you fill that void? And you may be that you need to fill that void in the short term. And we'll talk a little bit about that. So, you know, these are the type of things that can, you know, kill a deal, have it not close. And so, and that happens. I mean, you, everybody out there who's a business owner, uh, has peers who, who they've dealt with that have gone through a process and it hasn't worked out for one reason or another. So these are some reasons, especially now during these difficult environmental time, economic times, is the things you need to think about, make sure, and prepare for so that we can smoothly move the transaction to close. I mean, it could be some choppy waters, but with open communication, um, and putting together ideas and structure and compromises, you know, hopefully we can get to the point where we get the deal done. If not with this buyer, maybe we take the market down the road with another buyer. But that being said, these are some of the things that are what I would call the five main buckets of why things don't get done and why a deal may not close. And so what I like to do now is, is like we're going to kind of wrap things up here, but we're going we're gonna to focus on the next part of this about how we can mitigate some of these um, issues that come up from both a seller and a buyer perspective and kind of bridge those gaps, find compromise, and find a structure that will work for you uh, and your family. Again, my name is Keith D. I'm a president of Osage Advisors. You can uh, find us on our website at osageadvisors.com. 
You can email me anytime at kdee at osageadvisors.com or feel free to give me a call at 860-767-3273, extension 1001. Thanks for uh, joining us today and have a great day.